the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Radio TV show with Rob McConnell on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you have a question for Rob McConnell or his guest, or if you've had a paranormal experience, call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 0, or email exxon at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, our one address is TV. Good evening, one and all, and welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now, um, instead of taking calls this month, what we're doing is we're just having a one-on-one with our guests. After all, this is Halloween month, and our guests are the, the who's who when it comes to the weird, the strange, the bizarre, ghost, hauntings, things that go bump in the night, cryptids, Bigfoot. The strange, the weird, the bizarre. But in our home, here in the X-Zone, that's normal. If you'd like to uh, send me an email, though, X-Zone at X-ZoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And to find out about the broadcast schedule for the X-Zone, broad, uh, the X-Zone Radio TV show on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net and we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Talkstar Radio Network Mutual Broadcast Network and XZBN and of course on Simul Radio and Simul TV. Um, my guest this hour is Lon Strickler. He is a 14 researcher, author, and publisher of the syndicated Phantoms and Monsters blog. He began the blog in 2005 and which has steadily grown in popularity and it's read daily by tens of thousands of paranormal enthusiasts, investigators, and those seeking the truth. His research and reports have been featured on hundreds of online media sources. Several of these published reports have been presented on various television segments, including History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness, Fact or Fake, Paranormal Files, and Destination America's Monsters and Myths, Mysteries in America. Joining me now from the United States, somewhere near Gettysburg, is Lon Strickler. And Ron, welcome back to the Exodus. It's been a long time. Yeah, Rob. Thanks for having me. You are one busy guy. Um, how, where do you find the time? I don't, well, <laughs> I, I, it's tough sometimes. But uh, no, I do find the time. I'm kind of retired, and it gives me the opportunity to do a little bit of what I want to do. So you're retired, which means you work more now than you did when you had the regular yeah. job. Yeah, I know that that's, feeling well. That's about it. <laughs> um, what was it that brought your attention to the the work that you do now as, as a paranormal researcher, writer, investigator? Well, it started out when I was young. I was, uh, I was born and raised near Gettysburg, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to spend a lot of summers as a kid on the battlefield. So I would get on my bike and go down Route 116 until I got to Gettysburg. And uh, I was about nine years old or so. And one day, while on the battlefield during the summer, I was in the area of what they call the Valley of Death, which is between Little Round Top, uh, Uh Wheatfield, and Devil's Den. And all of a sudden, it's just like a, a... TV, huge TV screen opened up to me. 
and I was sensing all kinds of things, seeing apparitions, hearing gunfire, smelling gunpowder, the whole nine yards. All my senses were heightened. And that lasted for about 30 seconds and then just suddenly quit. And, uh, you know, even before that, though, I, I knew I had there was something a little bit different about me. And uh, from that time on, I realized I could sense spirit energy. So I just kind of took it to the next level, though, you know, back in the mid 70s. And well, this was a little before that. But, you know, when I started getting the paranormal investigating in the mid 70s, you know, nobody did that back then. Even when somebody say you're a paranormal investigator, you look like crazy. But uh, yeah, and that's what I did. So most of it was doing that type of thing and going to locations and going, you know, helping people out with their hauntings and such. And uh, I did that for a long time and I, I still do it occasionally. But uh as far as getting into cryptids, mm. well, that started the day when I had a Bigfoot encounter. Before we get into cryptids and your encounter with Bigfoot, why is it, in your opinion, after doing what you do all these years, Lon, and speaking to the hundreds of people that you've talked to, why do you think it's that some people can see these ghosts, these portals that open up, they can hear the gunfire, they can smell the, the, uh, the powder that's burning... They can hear the, the anger and the anguish that the spirits are, are projecting, and yet other people can't. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an enigma. I, I really don't know why that is, but there are certain people, mm -hmm. and I have learned that through my investigations and just doing what I do, that have these innate abilities to just be able to uh, you know, see and sense things that others can't. I don't know if it's being more open-minded or what the physiology is uh, or the mentality is, but uh, there, you know, there are people with these differences. Where has been the most haunted place that you yourself have gone? Mm. You know, it's tough. I, I, I guess Gettysburg, the battlefield itself mm -hmm. is probably the most haunted. Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of battlefields and I've been to a lot of locations where there's been, uh, you know, things that have gone on like battles and death and such. But I think Gettysburg, you know, it, it's like a huge capsule. And uh, I don't know if it's because of the topography or just what had happened there. And it was uh, uh, the energy itself stuck around all these years. But I, I'd say Gettysburg, I mean, Gettysburg area in general was probably the most haunted. Really? Yeah. What do you think about the new trend that a lot of haunted destinations are actually charging paranormal investigators to go in and do an investigation? When I heard this, I, I was floored. You mean actually charging the investigator to come in? Yes. Yeah, I've heard that. I, you know, I have never done that. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think I know of anybody that has done that. Yeah. Uh, there have been some that I've heard about. I mean, some locations do that. But, uh, you know, if it's a business and, you know, they can get the people to pay for it, I guess it's a, a consumer. <laughs> it's part of being a consumer. Well, apparently now paranormal tourism is, is right up there. More yeah. and more people are turning to it. Well, this was post, I'm sorry, pre-COVID. So we'll have to see what happens after this uh, pandemic wears its way out and people are allowed to get back to a normal life. Why do you think that some spirits stay behind, like, some of the spirits that remain at Gettysburg, while others seem to have found peace and gone to the light. I think it has a lot to do with the matter of the way they passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a quick death, and uh, uh, I think sometimes these energies, and I don't really like calling them spirits, I like calling them energies more than anything, okay. life energies. I, I think th they just don't realize they're actually dead. And they seem to be wondering and trying to find answers. And, you know, hauntings, I believe, for the most part, are these energies trying to communicate with the living, uh, maybe to ask questions or to get their attention. And uh, I think that's the main reason why they stay on this level. Throughout the investigations that you've done over the years, Lon, has an energy tried to make contact with you? 
Well, I I have been involved with what you call psychic attacks. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh and uh, sometimes when I, I'd be involved with a doing a remote view session, which I have used in the past with these hauntings, mm-hmm. uh, there have been instances where I was able to uh, somewhat communicate with the energy or just kind of see what they were trying to say to me. But uh, there have been instances as well when I'd be attacked and has some physical um, maladies because of it. In fact, in one instance, I was actually received a large laceration right down the middle of my chest. And uh, another time, I had received bruised ribs. Holy cow. And, and these were distance. Uh, these were done by distance. And uh, it's, <laughs> it gets scary sometimes. I was lucky enough to have a monitor with me that pulled me out of the session. But uh, they can do some damage. Another thing that I've noticed uh, over the last couple of years is that there seems to be a lot more negativity with these uh, energy spikes or these spirits. A lot more demonic attacks. Have you noticed this as well? Well, I don't. I don't really call them demonic. I believe evil is evil, and there's, there are malevolent energies right. out there. Uh, as far as an increase. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I haven't really noticed that. I know some investigators who are almost exclusively into uh, this type of a, a paranormal right. investigation have made made it known that that these energies do seem to be more malevolent to some degree. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I myself have not had that problem, but I have heard mm. of others. Is it possible it is the attitude of the investigator going into the investigation that brings forth the negativity at times from the these energy sources? Oh, I believe so. Uh, I, I think there are some very aggressive investigators mm-hmm. out there that uh, tend to uh, uh, cause issues with these uh, with these energies, and uh, I, I think they have lashed out. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the locations, uh, we've talked about battlefields, and, and mm-hmm. you know, that makes a lot of sense because, for example, Gettysburg, a lot of people lost their lives there. But when we look at some of the other locations where paranormal investigators seem to, to, uh, to flock to because of the, the accessibility to these energies or spirits or ghosts, like, uh, insane asylums, uh, mental hospitals. Why do you think that these locations are are so filled and abundant with paranormal activity? I think it comes down to two things, mainly death mm-hmm. uh, and the other being dysfunction. And I think dysfunction is probably more inclined to cause issues. Uh, not only like with a family that has dysfunction and causes bad energy right? and, and it manifests, you know, in some way, like a poltergeist, let's say, uh, but it, like you said, in this asylum or something, there, there's a lot of, uh, dysfunction between patients and staff and such. And I think that kind of, um, I think that kind of increases the malevolency in the, uh, the activity. All right, stand by. Lon, you and I have to take our first break. At Exonation, our guest this hour is Lon Strickler, and his website is the um, Phantoms and Monster website. At the website is www.phantomsandmonsters.com. We're going to be talking to Lon on the other side of this commercial break about uh, his recent book, Wing Cryptids, Humanoids, Monsters, and Anomalous Creatures Casebook. And we're also going to be talking to him about alien disclosure, experiencers expose reality. Now, uh, a couple of nights ago, we had Brett Karstens on the show, and uh, Brett is a television producer, and we've uh, got a couple of his TV shows put up on the Exxon TV channel. He's known as the Casual Psychic, and I must tell you, Exxon Nation, two episodes of the Casual Psychic Really good, and you can see them at W. I'm sorry, on the Exxon TV channel, which is exclusive to Simul TV at www.simultv.com. Now, Lon and I return on the other side of this break as we continue celebrating Halloween here this month 
October 2020 in the Exxon. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly... And welcome back, everyone. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And you can always check out the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network by visiting our website at www.xzbn.net. Lon Strickler is our special guest this hour. His website is Phantoms and Monsters. And uh, the website is phantomsandmonsters.com. All right, let's talk cryptids here. You said uh, in the first segment that you actually had an encounter with Bigfoot. Tell us about that. Well, this occurred in May of 1981 Mm -hmm. when I was living in Sykesville, Maryland. And I used to do a lot of fly fishing on the south branch of the Patapsco River. So I was out one morning, and it was May 9th, 1981. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. So I was out there in my waders just flinging the fly rod around and Mm -hmm. uh i looked across the onto the north bank of the river which was probably about 30 yards away and i noticed a dog stray dog kind of going in and out of the weeds over there and i didn't pay him any mind so i just continued to fish and after a bit i heard a yelp i heard this dog yelping and i looked over there and when i looked something large stood up into the weeds now you know, back then, I really didn't know much about Bigfoot. Of course, I heard about it. But this thing, I could see from chest up because of the high weeds. And it was, you know, it was a hairy uh, biped. Right. And as it moved towards left, towards my left, to walk out of the weeds, as it exited, I got a real good look at it. It, it literally stood still and faced me. And we locked eyes for about 10 minutes, and this was about a seven and a half, possibly eight foot uh, biped, hairy hominid uh, that looked to me more like a, what people refer to as Neanderthal, mm-hmm. uh, looked more human than it did ape. Uh, definitely a male. I could see the genitalia on this this thing, and uh, but it had a heavy brow ridge and such, and uh, had very dark brown hair and it just suddenly turned and walked briskly up into the woods and uh you know i was shocked of course i mean i didn't know what this was and um i at the time just went ahead and quit fishing and got up to my car and started to go back into town which was about oh i don't know about a three minute drive found the first phone I could find and called the police department. Right. And just wanted to let them know that this, I saw this thing. So they told me, we'll go back and uh, we'll have someone meet you there. So I figured I'd go back there and I'd be waiting there forever for, this, for the, whoever was going to show up. Well, to my surprise, when I got there, there was one of these uh, barriers across the road yellow barriers and a Maryland state police officer was sitting was standing there and I rolled my window down. He said, you got to get out of here. And I told him, I said, look, I, I just called uh sexual police. I was down here fishing and I saw this thing. He said, I don't care. You got to turn around and get out. So I backed up, turned around and went home. I was living in Sykesville at the time. So about an hour later, I decided, well, I'm going to drive one back down here and see what's going on. Sure. So when I got down there, I mean, there were cars everywhere. I literally had to walk about three-quarter of a mile after parking on the side of the road because there were so many cars. Uh, and when I walked up to the barrier, there was a Howard County police officer there. And I asked him, I said, well, what's going on? And he kind of jokingly said, somebody said they saw a Bigfoot. 
you know, and I, well, I didn't tell him I was the one who made the call, but he, um, you know, he didn't say much else. And I was watching, I mean, there were people everywhere, uh, eight or nine people with dogs going in around the weeds and up mm. in the woods and all around the, up and down the river. There was a huge white tent set up on the opposite bank where this thing was. Holy cow. Yeah, it was, it was a huge response. Um, Federals were there. They had back then the old black wagoneers. They had two of those sitting there. I heard a helicopter, but I didn't see that. But there were other local officials there. So I was there for about 10 minutes or so. So I just went ahead and went back to my car. So I, you know, I didn't really understand what they were doing. I was assuming they were looking for this thing, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So when I got home, I called the uh, the local TV stations in in Baltimore, and you know told them what happened, what I, I experienced, and they said, "Well, give us a call back in a couple of days, or no, we'll call you." They took my number and everything. So about four or five days later, I'm waiting for this call, and I eventually called one of the newsrooms, and the the uh, news editor got on the phone. He said, "I don't want to talk to you." Wow. And I thought I said, why? And he hung up on me. So, you know, I don't know. You know, it was covered up. I mean, it was, it was I didn't hear much else about it. Mm-hmm. I eventually did find out uh, by from one of the police officers, local police officers that was there. Uh, he verified the whole thing. So that kind of got me started because I was curious as to what I saw and why all this was going on. And what I found out later that several years before that, there had been what they called the Sykesville monster incident. And basically a Bigfoot or a similar creature. What I saw was breaking into homes oh and into gosh. garages and uh, chicken pens and such up and down the river. And it was causing a, a, a big concern uh, the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper actually did the, the first uh, story about it. And it got into, you know, the, the media mm-hmm. eventually. I didn't really know anything about it. I have, you know, I wasn't living down there at the time, and I didn't know anything about it. So a gentleman I used to work with lived in that area, and uh, he told me about it. And he said, well, I can help you talk to some of the people that, you know, occurred with. And I, uh, I did. I did several interviews with some of the uh, the original witnesses actually found a few more. So I was hooked. That got me involved in cryptid investigations. Now, now, Lon, there seems to be more and more reports of people having contact with Bigfoot. What, mm-hmm. do, you, what do you think, based on your experience, the books you've written, as well as your very own experience, why is it that Bigfoot is so rarely seen, and yet there are people who who go out each and every night into the woods looking for him. How has he been able, or how has she been able, to evade humans for so long? Well, I think that there definitely are flesh and blood indigenous beings that mm-hmm. we refer to as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And those areas where I believe this occurs is in the uh, Pacific Northwest down in Florida, areas around the Gulf Coast. Right. Uh, I, I think there are actual uh, populations, pods, family groups, and such. But for the most part, I think, and especially in this area, you know, mid-Atlantic or northeast of the, uh, of the United States, I think there's a very good possibility, and I, I, you know, a lot of people do as well, that these may be interdimensional beings. There may be another reason as to why they're here. Uh, now, why why haven't we found a body? Why haven't we found a, more evidence as to mm-hmm. what they are or why they are here? Uh, you know, they, they seem for the most part to be singular individuals. Uh, we, we don't see a, or hear a whole lot about family groups sure. or um, or pairs of these things mm-hmm. uh in, in you know in these other areas so uh you know could they be some type of being that comes in from another reality or time travel or they, yeah or that too as yeah. well as could they be uh 
you know, something to do with extraterrestrials and UFOs. And that theory has been put out there for a long time now. That's something that has happened here in Pennsylvania for years. I'm just wondering, if, based on the description of the encounter that you had with Bigfoot, where you said that it resembled a Neanderthal, I'm just wondering if there's a, a time slip that happens and these creatures just happen to be at the right place at the right time where they, where they actually cross into a different uh, time, a different reality. And for some reason, they know how to get back. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a strong possibility. Uh, like I said, I, I, this individual that mm -hmm. I saw uh, looked very much like what people describe as Neanderthal, or, you know, what you see in pictures of. Sure. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I guess that could be very possible. How did you feel um, after having your Bigfoot encounter that basically, you know, everybody was there, but nobody knew anything about it, and there you were the person who had actually made that call? Did you ever find out why the Maryland State Police were there or why the feds were there or why there seemed to be so much attention so quickly after your call? Well, I did find out later that a, a woman did make a report of seeing uh, probably the same being about three miles downstream that same morning. Wow. And uh, apparently she made a call to the police as well. But the fact that the feds and all these other groups were involved and so got there so quickly, mm -hmm. I believe that there was either a military or government involvement with this being. Uh, you know, down in that area, Baltimore, Washington area, there are a lot of installations and facilities that we really don't know what they are you know they're they're out there nowhere and you know you know nobody knows what they're there for they're they just seem to be there unnamed facilities that nobody can get into and there does there is a lot of that around that area um where do you think the most prevalent part of the united states is for cryptids or are they all over the place there, there just seem to be some hot spots, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that, for varied cryptid reports. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, the Chestnut Ridge is very, very active. Uh, South Texas, uh, the upper Midwest, uh, Florida, especially Southwest Florida, uh, parts of North Carolina, you know, most places like that, uh, they, they're does seem to be a lot of reports that come out of these areas and it's just not bigfoot i mean it's upright canines or wow. winged humanoids or something else it's it just seems to be uh uh conducive to a lot of different cryptid activity i would imagine now that more and more people are talking about cryptids the tv shows the great work that you do your books uh, your blog and the and the general interest is opening up a lot of eyes and people are paying much more attention i think people are much more open minded than what mm -hmm. they used to be uh less fearful about coming forward and being ridiculed uh you know you do still get that but uh, Not know, the fact much. that i can i get reports and my colleagues get reports almost every day i, I think you open mindedness and the and being less fearful has a lot to do with that. Though I, I do also believe that the TV shows help as well. Uh, it's kind of mainstream now. It is. Um, when we come back from this news break we have to take, Lon, I'd like to talk to you about uh, the winged humanoid phenomena in Metro Chicago and area around Lake Michigan. Okay. All right, stand by. Thanks for joining us tonight. I know you're a busy man. I appreciate your time, sir. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Lon Strickler. And if you'd like to find out more about Lon, about his books, uh, visit his very informative website at, uh, uh, let me see, phantomsandmonsters.com. That's www.phantomsandmonsters.com. This is Halloween month here in the Exxon. I hope that uh, wherever you are, that you follow the rules and guidelines as set forth by your your health officials. Uh, this is going to be a very strange Halloween with COVID and all, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. But whatever you do, please be safe. That's rule number one. Number two, wear a mask if you're so inclined. And number three, take care. 
We'll be back on the other side of this break as the X-Zone continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, and my very special guest this hour, Ron Strickland. Strickler, don't go away. Everyone, this is the X Zone. I am Rob McConnell. That is, uh, let me see, where only the Sasquatch goes, and that's by Philip Bramble and Jack Marlboro. My guest this hour, X Zone Nation, this Halloween month is Lon Strickler, and his website is, are you ready for it? Got your pens and paper ready? Phantomsandmonsters.com. Len, I'd like to talk to you uh, this uh, segment about cryptids because they're a fascinating topic. And uh, you told us basically about the winged humanoid phenomena in Metro Chicago. We're talking about Metro uh, Chicago and the surrounding area around Lake Michigan. What can you tell us about that? Well, the, you know, I've been involved and looked into the, a lot of the flying being uh, phenomena uh, in Illinois and, and, and Wisconsin for years now. But back in 2011... There were three sightings of a what people describe as a winged humanoid in the Chicago, South Chicago area, and uh, you know that they were all three reported to MUFON, and the you know the information we got was just what MUFON provided. So, fast forward into uh, 2017, spring of 2017, and there were several more reports starting starting to come into MUFON, mm -hmm. and as they did. We were lucky enough to be able to, uh, my, well, my colleague, Manuel Navarrete, uh, in Chicago, was, was able to talk to at least one of the witnesses. And uh, we started getting more and more interested in these reports as they were coming forward. So we started soliciting reports. And uh, for the most part, we started getting all the reports. And... Uh, you know, between Manuel, uh, my other colleague, Tobias Whalen, and myself, we have been getting the, the fair, I guess, 99% of the reports uh, in the uh, Chicago area, Chicago metro area, and uh, the Lake Michigan. Wow. And uh, at this point right now, I guess we're up to possibly 110 reports of uh, what we believe were valid valid reporting over what period of timeline that is from 2000 spring of 2017 to the present we're still getting reports and in fact for the past year mm -hmm. about a year now since october last year uh the majority of the reports have been coming out of o'hara international and rosebond area any speculation on what this uh, sighting is oh god i wish i knew you know that's uh that's the $16,000 question. I, I wish I did know. Uh, definitely an enigma. We've been looking at all kinds of different angles in mm -hmm. this thing, anywhere from the occult to uh, possibly some type of sentry coming in from another reality. Uh, <clears throat> a lot, you know, there's just been a lot. And more recently, there has been UFO activity at the airport. Uh, that possibly is associated with these beings, and including also small uh, non-human entities. So, uh, you know, at, in, we're definitely 
looking more and more into it. And in fact, the reports that we have been getting lately have been coming from airline pilots and people working at the airport, including people that work for TSA. So what do these these cryptids or these these things look like? Well, for the most part, they are tall and thin, anywhere mm-hmm. from six to seven foot in height. Right. Dark in color, looking emaciated like a human, emaciated human. With many have red eyes, uh, with a smaller head, and large ten to fifteen foot wingspan of wings that look like that of a gargoyle or dragon, or bat-like wings. That's pretty big. Yeah, they're good size. Are these same creatures spotted anywhere else in the United States? We have occasionally uh, had some reports of similar type beings. Uh, I had a spat of reports down in Pasco County, Florida, around the same time in 2017. We had three reports down there. Uh, We've had reports in Ohio, uh, Texas, but they were singular reports. Uh, Nothing like what's going on in Chicago. Now, these sightings in Toronto, and I don't know why I want to keep saying Toronto, but Chicago, is there any specific time of day, weather condition, um, time, uh, season where these sightings are more prevalent? Is there a common thread? Not really. I mean, they, they are seen during the day at night, mostly at night, uh, at all different neighborhoods by all types of people. Uh, in all different situations, quite frankly, and uh, you know, it's 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 nothing you can we can really pinpoint as to, you know, it, most I, the one thing that is common is they're mostly fleeting sightings. Oh. Uh, the the sightings are very brief, yeah, uh, long enough for the witnesses to get a good look at it. They're not, these beings aren't shy. I mean, you know. And they do occasionally leave a screeching sound. Uh, there have been some minor differences in some of them. Uh, uh, some don't have the red eyes. Some have like a, a ray that extends from the back of their head. But, uh, you know, th- there's just minor differences. Uh, is, there, you know. is there any similarity between these cryptids and the Mothman? You know... Actually, it's not, even though we had one early sighting mm-hmm. that did, you know, was very similar to what the Mothman description was, the uh, the insectoid type yeah. being. Uh, but no, um, the, the wing structure of these beings is completely different. It's membrane wings, and uh, it, it does seem to be able to jettison itself into the air and to propel itself in the air without the use of the wings. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. When we first started investigating this this being, I was I was calling it the Chicago Phantom. But, of course, the media got a hold of it and started relating it to the, uh, the Point Pleasant Mothman, and that's how the Mothman moniker got put on this thing. Gotcha. Now, now you were saying that, that a number of these sightings are are at night. How can people see this 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 cryptid at night? Does it glow? Does it emanate light? Well, most of the time it's because the red eyes are noticed. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, a lot of the sightings have been right in the city, hmm. so the the light from street lights and such were available. Uh, we had a lot of sightings along the uh, the lakefront. Uh, and, you know, in, in neighborhoods where there is street lighting. So, yeah, they have been visible. Have you yourself had an encounter with these um, winged cryptids? I had an encounter back in 1988 with something very similar to this. What was that like? Uh, well, this was a... Um, I had happened to run into a friend of mine who I was in Boy Scouts with when we were kids. And, uh, he, you know, he and I started talking a bit. In fact, he used to, he used to go out with me at night on Gettysburg battlefield and spend the nights out there. So he was familiar with my abilities and what I used to do as far as the, the investigation. So as we were sitting there having lunch, he mentioned to me that the old camp Conewago 
there had been some incidents going on there and that he and a colleague were going to go out that next weekend and camp out and see what all the, the fuss was, what was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, these troops were hearing screaming sounds coming from the woods and they were getting scared out. So uh, he decided that they were going to investigate and he asked me if I wanted to come along. So I went ahead and met them that next weekend and we set up camp up into the woods. Uh, the, the camping areas where most of these other troops had been at. And we set up a camp and, um, you know, it, the first night was very uneventful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, though we did hear something moving about in the campsite, you know, all three of us had a tent. I thought maybe somebody was getting up to relieve himself or something. But in the morning, uh, the other guy had mentioned that he heard footsteps and I had as well. But, you know, I, I figured it might have been a deer or something. But then again, you know, we didn't know what it was. So that day we were out hiking in the woods trying to get a sense of what was going on, see if there was any evidence as to why these screams were emanating. And we were out a good long time. I guess we were out to about six that evening. We got back and uh, started, you know, cooking dinner and such. And we spent most of the night sitting around the campfire just talking. And about 11 o'clock, we heard a screaming sound. Now, it, it kind of caught us off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know what it was, and uh, we talked about it. But you know, it, it could. You know, I thought, well, maybe it was an animal or something. But uh, anyway, about an hour later, we heard another scream. Now this time, it sounded just like a child screaming, and it was kind of going in and out, like it was moving away and you know coming back and such. So uh, that kind of freaked us out a bit. So we were decided we were going to stay up the whole night. So I guess about maybe a half hour later, mm-hmm. I got up to stretch my legs and I went out onto the trail, which is along the Conewago Creek. And I just sensed that something was watching us. I had this feeling the whole weekend anyway. So I went back to the guys. And I told them, I said, look, why don't we go out and get our flashlights and walk up the trail a bit? So we all went out. We all had our flashlights and we didn't, we got on the trail and we were no more than 50 foot on the trail when we noticed something with red eyes standing in the creek. Now, the creek at this time was pretty shallow. But as we saw these red eyes emanating from the creek, we, by the time we got our flashlights on, this thing shot up into the air and with a whooshing sound. And uh, when it got to its apex, I imagine it screamed. And then it screamed and you know heard it fade away. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we were freaked out. I mean, especially my friend. He was really, he was out of it. And he didn't know what this was we saw. I talked to the other guy, and, you know, we all we all said we saw the red eyes. He mentioned that he saw something on the back, and I did as well. And I just assumed it was probably wings. But we never did see the wings open up. And this thing propelled itself like a rocket. I mean, this thing just literally shoot shot up into the air. So uh, they decided they weren't staying at the campsite. They went up to the administration building and spent that night. I stayed up hoping I'd be able to get an idea or see something, but nothing else happened. And, um, you know, I didn't really talk a whole lot about that for years. And uh, about 20 years later, I when I was starting the blog, I mentioned it and I wrote about it in the blog and I started getting mm-hmm. responses. Uh, one individual who had lived around the area for many years said he had heard that screaming for m- decades and didn't know My what gosh. it was. Then eventually I got another email from a scoutmaster who told me that he and his troop were out there not too long you know, before he got a hold of me. Right. And said his, his troop were out hiking on a trail you know, on their own during the day, and they came running back. And swore up and down, they saw what he they said to him was a dragon. And he thought they were pulling his leg, you know. He but they were serious. All right, Lon. But he didn't think he didn't think anything about it. So uh you know, wow. maybe he decided got a hold of me because maybe he you know, what they sure. saw was you know, was this being. All right, stand by my friend, you and I have to take our final break. Wow, what a mm-hmm. story. Lon Strickler is our special guest. His website is 
phantomsandmonsters.com. And we'll be back with Lon as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone with yours truly this Halloween month from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Blackwater had a lift back in the swamp where strange green reptiles crawl. Snakes hang thick from the cypress trees like sausage on a smokehouse wall. Where the swamp is alive with a thousand eyes and all of them watching you. Stay off the track of Hattyshack in the back of the black bayou. Way up the road from Hattie. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. Lon Strickler is our special guest this hour. And uh, there's three books that I'm sure that each and every one of you listening tonight would be very interested in having as part of your, as part of your library. Uh, one is entitled Winged Cryptids, Humanoids, Monsters, and Anomalous Creatures, Casebook, Alien Disclosure, Experiencers, Exposed Reality, and... Um, one that is, is about what we were talking about the, at the end of the last segment about uh, winged uh, humanoids in Chicago. It's called Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. And they're all available on Amazon.com. And once again, Lon's website is phantomsandmonsters.com. Lon, as I was saying uh, during the last break, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you again. And... Um, I'd like to talk to you about your book, this uh, segment, Alien Disclosure, Experiencers Expose Reality. Based on your research, based on your writing, based on the people that you've spoken to, how real are alien abductions and alien contact? Oh, I think they're uh, absolutely real. I mean, uh, I think I've talked to enough people to convince me that the phenomena is real. Uh, I've had experiences myself uh, in more recent years that uh, I believe were possibly one was mm. at least an, an abduction or I was taken to some area that I didn't know or wasn't my home with some lost time. But, yeah, I've uh, and that's the reason why I wrote the book, because of the all the accumulation of uh, stories and uh, encounters that people have had. And uh, my association with them and some of the uh, things that have happened, happened to me in the past. You know, we've had Travis Walton on the show. We've had Denise Stoner on the show and other people who have, who have talked extensively and who have written books about uh, alien contact, alien abductions, cattle mutilations, and so on. Based on your very own experience, Lon, and based on the research that you've done for your books, where do you think these ETs are coming from, and do they pose a threat to humanity? I honestly believe that most of the beings that we encounter are possibly evolved humans that are coming back uh, for whatever reason, back through time. Uh, as, as far as UFO travel, interstellar travel, I don't, I don't think that really occurs as much as people think it does. I think a lot of the beings that uh, people have encounters with or associated with come through portals of some type, uh, have the ability to come through uh, uh, some type of conduit, you know, where they, you know, they can come right into uh, a house or come right into a location. Mm -hmm. And as well, I believe some of these species may actually live on this planet uh, in deep underground areas. Is there a common thread, in your opinion, uh, when it comes to who gets abducted? Is there any anything that these people share? You know, it it, it is an interesting question because um, there do seem to be some people that are abducted for unknown reasons. And there are some that are abducted for possible hybrid study or some type of hybrid program. 
And, uh, you know, I, I have had both. I've been involved with both of those type of investigations. And then I've also been involved with at least one person who uh, had a lot of activity going on around their home contacted me then they ended up disappearing gone yeah holy cow male female female is this common where people contact people like yourself who are credible and have been doing this for a number of years uh where they make an initial contact and once the initial contact is made that's the last you hear of them that was the only one really yeah yeah do the way the the ETs enter a home or exit a home with or without the 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 person, does it vary, or is it always based on your research? Again, is it always the same way? No, there are different ways. I mean, um, there there seem to be when they can come into a home, mm -hmm. you know, from the outside, you know, after possibly traveling on a craft and such. And also, I've been involved with uh, cases where a portal or something opens up on a far wall or something in the house, and they just suddenly come through. Hmm. Uh, it's been both. And, uh, you know, sometimes they just show up without any uh, mechanism apparent, you know. So it, there are different ways. I mean, I, I think a lot of these alien beings that people are experiencing are, are are kind of associated with each other for the most part. I think they're connected. Uh, I think that many species do kind of either work together or associated with each other. Uh, now, the reason why they're doing it, that's kind of an enigma again. Uh, we yeah. just don't know why. Uh, if there is some type of hybrid program, we, we do understand that. But to the degree, to what degree, we just don't know. Hmm. What do you think they want, Lon? I, I really wish I knew. I, I really wish I knew. That's, you know, I, I think those beings that I believe are evolved humans mm -hmm. are possibly coming back uh, from the future and trying to either uh, change history or possibly to make amends for something they possibly screwed up. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the easiest way of saying it. In your opinion, is, is there a connection between the sighting of, of UFOs and other aspects of the paranormal? And why I'm asking you this, Lon, is you alluded to the, to the uh, topic when we were talking earlier tonight, and... I got from the conversation that there may be, or some people believe there is a connection between UFOs and Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, there have been instances uh, where a Bigfoot has been seen uh, either right after a, a UFO sighting or mm -hmm. a landing. Uh, the two the two cases that I know of right off the bat were one was a Chestnut. Chestnut Ridge in, in uh, Westmoreland, Fayette County, Pennsylvania. Uh, something that uh, Stan Gordon has written about and lectured on for many years. Yeah. And of course, the Presque Isle case up in near Erie. And uh, there was a big, there was an, uh, a UFO scene and then a creature very similar to a Bigfoot scene after that. Uh, I was involved with the. An habituation and, and other sightings of Bigfoot in Nova Scotia several years ago, where uh, these these large orb craft were being seen and depositing all kinds of different creatures, including Bigfoot. Hmm. So uh, you know the witness is very credible. It was on his farm, right? And uh, I, I believe he this is what he saw. I mean, you know, just by when he was telling me. Is there any connection between the Nova Scotia uh, investigation that you did? And for our listeners who may not know what Nova Scotia is, one of the Canadian provinces in eastern Canada. Is there any connection to the investigation that you did in Nova Scotia and the Shag Harbor incident? Not that I know of. They're in different parts of the, of the province. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, Nova Scotia does have a, a, a long history of UFO and oh, yes, paranormal does, yeah. uh, involvement. So mm-hmm. uh, there have been some very interesting UFO cases in Nova Scotia. Now, do you also or have you investigated lake monsters? For example, I understand that here in in the Great Lakes area, like we live on the shores of Lake Erie. In fact, when you look out of our back window, I can see the city of Buffalo right across uh, the lake from me. Uh-huh. Uh, there's Erie Pogo, and there's, you know, that's the lake monster of Lake Erie. And then you've got Champ and Lake Champlain. You've got Ogopogo in British Columbia, and so on and so forth. The Loch Ness Monster, there's a real famous one. What do you think, or do you have an opinion on these uh, serpent creatures that seem to inhabit certain lakes in the world? Well, there's there's no real rhyme or reason why they would be there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there have been so many reports of sightings in these different lakes <clears throat> there's gotta be, there's gotta be a, I don't know, supernatural aspect to it. That's the best I can say. Uh, you know, Nick Redfern and I have talked about this extensively, where he actually believes that Nessie at Loch Ness uh, is possibly some type of being that kind of comes in and out, that just shows up at certain occasions, may possibly be a supernatural being. I I think that it's a very big possibility of that happening in other places. Uh, There is just no real reason why these huge uh, serpentine-like creatures should be showing up at these locations. Uh, we've got about uh, three minutes before I have to say so long to you for tonight, Lon. We'll We'll have to get you back on because you and I still have so much to discuss. There's a hypothesis that is now being put out by members of the UFO community that there is a, a reason why cattle mutilations were so prevalent going back a couple of years ago. And they make a connection that it's the aliens who used the, the uh, data and their findings of cattle mutilations that actually manipulated and created the coronavirus What's your take on that? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'd had to see a lot more data on that. I just thought I'd throw it past you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> you know, we get a lot of strange uh, emails here in the Exxon. Lon, what, what's your final thoughts that you'd like to share with the Exxon Nation tonight? Well, you know, just keep your eyes open and don't be afraid to uh, tell someone what you have experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, that's the only way we're going to discover and find out what we're really seeing, what people are seeing, what we're experiencing. This uh, this world isn't just about us and the animals we do know about. There are other things out there. There sure are. Let our listeners know how they can find out more about Yolan. Well, you can go to famsandmonsters.com, and uh, I do a, a daily I do a daily blogs on there, and there's information there about uh, my investigations and my team's investigations. Also, the website cryptidhunters.org is uh, the Phantoms of Monsters 14 research team and uh, cases we are are constantly working on, which includes the Chicago and Lake Michigan uh, wing humanoid cases. Uh, My show is Arcane Radio. I do a radio show every Friday night at 9 o'clock, and uh, we do that on uh, the Beyond Explanation YouTube channel. Uh, just search Beyond Explanation, and it'll come up. Lon, again, thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time that you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Until then, my friend, my best to your teams, and stay safe. Thanks again. Take care, buddy. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour has been Lon Strickler, and uh, for more information about Lon, visit his website, phantomsandmonsters.com. His books... Winged Cryptids, Humanoids, Monsters, and Anomalous Creatures, Casebook, Alien Disclosure, Experiencers, and Experiences, Exposed Reality. And let me see, the final one is Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids, and they're all available on Amazon.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. As we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. No matter where you are, listen to your health officials. Comply with law enforcement when it comes to social distancing, my friends. It's very important. 
and please stay safe. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back. Don't go away.